Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Be a Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Before we dig into this week's episode, we do have a little bit of news. If you caught episode 54, The Work of Future Building, you caught our conversation with queer kid stuff creator, Linz Amer. You might have heard that they have a brand new podcast that is coming out um, and Linz has very kindly shared a trailer with us. Enjoy. Hi friends, welcome to Rainbow Parenting, a brand new queer and gender affirming parenting podcast. But this show isn't just for parents. It's also for educators, caregivers, librarians, really anyone who knows, loves, and works with kids. I'm your host, Linz Amer. I'm the creator of Queer Kids Stuff, and I make queer and trans media for kids and families all over the internet. Most of the stuff I make is for kids, but this time I'm talking to you, the grown-ups. Queer Kid Stuff is the kind of show I wish I had when I was a confused little queer and trans kid who didn't have the language to express who I am. But this show is all about what I wish my parents and teachers and caregivers knew when they were raising me so they could have helped me along the way. Rainbow Parenting gives you the tools and strategies and know-how you need to raise kids in a queer and gender-affirming way, even if you don't know how. Me and a whole bunch of my friends and experts in the field are going to help you navigate LGBTQ plus and social justice topics with the kids in your lives. We're on a mission to spread queer joy and raise a new generation of supported and affirmed queer, trans, and non-binary kids and their allies. Our first episode drops on May 30th and we'll upload new episodes every Monday through early August. That's all we've got for now. Talk soon. To learn more about that brand new podcast, head over to the show notes. On this week, we have a really powerful conversation. Um, When I reached out to this week's guest, I asked them if in light of recent events, if they would like to postpone our conversation or move forward. They generously said, let's move forward. This conversation was really healing for me. Listeners, I hope it is for you as well. The research that you will hear us discuss, the writing that you will hear us discuss, it's all there in the show notes. I love the authenticity, the courageousness, the vulnerability in this conversation. We do discuss suicide, a heads up about that. Once you are done listening to this conversation, again, please make sure that you explore the show notes and take advantage of the incredible wisdom and inspiration Enjoy our conversation. Uh, my name is Ethan Trin. Um, I am using they, them as my gender pronouns. Um, originally, I come from Vietnam, uh, from the south of Vietnam. And um, I really love coffee. Um, especially we have like uh, something called Cafe Suda. And that is something like condensed meal with, you know, coffee. And then you put ice on that. It was really good. Um I am currently teaching um, and getting my PhD at Georgia State University in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, What else? Uh, I love writing. I love researching. Um, I love talking to people. Um, And I myself um, identify as queer. 
But I also think about like my intersectionality, you know, as and so not only like Vietnamese, queer, immigrants, um, teacher, educator, doctor, student, uh, researcher, feminist writers, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. That's just so many things just like coming into me um, and my identity. So I would say that just so many things that I won't be able to um, summarize uh, for you. Um, but I'm happy with that. You know, I'm happy with my inter- intersectional identities. And listeners, I would say, um, you know, those intersect- intersections really come through if you are not familiar with Ethan's work, uh, our conf- our conversation right now is going to point you to just a few, just a, a sampling <laughs> of some of the many, many ways in which Ethan is contributing to a conversation that we that we need to sustain. Um, and I would say I, I just find your work and your writing and your research healing. Uh, and so we'll we'll dig into that in this episode. Yes. But I would really like to start off by talking about uh, a keynote of yours with Elsa. Again, the link to that talk will be in the show notes. Your talk looks at the concept of critical love. You invite yeah. your audience to consider right. what critical love could mean. And I would love for you to just Talk about why that question and why that reflection, why us asking that question, why us maybe centering critical love, why is that important um, and relevant for this moment that we are learning? And and of course, when we're learning, we're, we're living in this moment too. So I would love to just hear you talk a little bit more about critical love, if you will. Um, first and foremost, um, I wanna take this moment um, to give me some sort of like, um, I wanna take this space actually. I wanna take this space um, for not only for myself, but for those who are listening out there um, to come with me. And I invite everyone to sit with me. Um, If you want, you can close your eyes. If you are doing anything, you can feel like, you know, you can sit with me, you know, sit around me in a circle because um, I think Tricia also asked me like, Ethan, do you wanna reschedule our talk today? And I share with her that, no, let's do that because we need this space so that we can come together. We can heal with each other. Um, we can find a space that that we can find a space that we can talk, we can share our hearts together. You know, Um, I'm feeling so much, you know, my heart is really heavy recently. Um, And I think the concept of critical love is just so important. When we talk about love, that is kind of like the joyfulness, right? The way that we bring to each other all of the five senses, you know, smell, hugging, loving, you know, every single thing that human being can do. But critical is more about why or how your positionality relates to the power, relate to the status, relate to the privilege, right? And each of us has always bear in ourselves 
the privilege. So the critical love concept is, is more about like the embracement of love, of healing, of coming together to discuss, to talk, to share, to hug, you know, to, to do something together as a community, to share our vulnerability, to talk about healing. Um, and, you know, from those kind of conversation, how can we do together collectively, communally? Um, so that concept, I think it's just very simple and how each of us, not only like in academia, in research, in education, but everyone, you know, could be able to embrace that concept together. I, I really appreciate you just sort of almost painting, um, a foundation of feelings for this conversation. Ethan, what you said about the, you know, the, the five senses, when you introduced yourself and you mentioned the Vietnamese coffee, you know, again, because I've, I've watched and listened to you in, in other ways that comes up a lot. And it, it dawns on me that when you mention it, of course, that is a way of evoking those, those five senses. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, have tasted Vietnamese coffee, but it's wow. sensual in so many ways, right? Yep. It's beautiful. Yep. It's fragrant. And I, I don't know if you're doing that intentionally as a way of just reconnecting us with our senses as, uh, you know, always including that when you're talking and I, I've seen you, you put it in, in papers as well. Yes. Yes. Because that is my root. That is my identity, mm -hmm. you know, and in, in every single space that I come to, I have to bring my identity to the space. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I think like, you know, um, when people ask me to introduce like the superpower that I have, um, so I, I always share with them, like, I have a superpower to like drink more than two or three coffees a day. And, you know, <laughs> Vietnamese coffee is really strong. And every single time that I have it and my hands shaking, you know, um, the anxiety is just like increasing, but. You know, like I love it, um, especially, you know, in every single morning, you know, because, you know, in my um, in my house, there's kind of like, you know, a backyard that my mom is doing the gardening. Mm. Uh, there's the trees and, you know, the birds dropping, you know, like all of that. And then you have like a cup of Vietnamese iced coffee with you. It's just it's just wonderful, you know, um, and especially because I think with and I interact a lot with um, the nature, you know, and um, then, you know, you can call it non-human thing um, that, you know, like the materials around, around us. So I pay attention to those details. I pay attention to the sounds, the smell, um, you know, all of the senses so that I can engage and bring my body, you know, with them and feel with them. Um, and I don't know if um, you know that, but my work is focusing a lot on emotion and feeling um, a lot, you know, because that is a way that it allows myself to come to people, but also it is opens a door for people to come in and see me. You know, that is why, you know, at the beginning, I asked people to come and then sit with me in this circle so that everyone can listen and then relate you know, in some aspects beyond space and time. Ethan, I would say that's your other 
superpower. Um, I mean, what your research does, it really is a, it's transformative. Um, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't you. say that, I, I don't say that lightly. And I honestly, I, I think if more, you know, in air quotes, academic papers had that mm. grounding, that infusion of emotion, um, mm. it's so important. And you generously, so generously share so much of your research freely. Um, mm. and, and again, we show notes, all of the links that we're talking about are there. Mm. I, I really, I know on behalf of many people, thank you for, for sharing them freely. And yeah, I, I want to look just for a moment, specifically to a 2020 paper that you authored in the LGBTQ policy journal that's entitled Suicide and Nepantla, Writing okay. in In-Between Space to Crave Policy Change. Um, the paper, it's it's just beyond any description that I could <laughs> offer here. So listeners, you. you need to go and it, I, I don't even say read the paper, I say experience the paper. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it re does remind me of the role of the arts, the role of writing and reimagining mm. and, and just recentering healing. Mm. Um, and I would love to know for you, looking back at that work, I wonder what existing in that in-between space, what does that continue to mean for you now? Um, has that in-between space shifted? Um, mm. Thank you for the question. Um, I don't look back. I live with it. Mm. Um, yesterday um, on a social media, um, a friend of mine who I consider as a sister, right, a younger sister, posted a video about her trauma, about her um, intergenerational trauma with her family. And then when I saw the post, um, and I say, and I texted her, I say, hey, are you available to talk with me? And she says, sure. So I say, okay, let's um, go to the park, you know, close to our house and then we talk. And then when we were walking, you know, with the nature, with my puppy, um, I think like when I first, you know, get out of my car, she came to me and then she hugged me and she mm -hmm. cried on the shoulders. Um, and I said, okay, it's all right. Everything will be all right, okay? And then we, we were walking, we're sharing. And then, you know, the first thing that she shared with me was she was thinking about committing suicide probably in February this year, but she did not say anything to me. And then I shared with her, you know, that I used to think about committing suicide, right? Um, and every single person in this earth has different way to express ourselves. You, you are brave, you're courageous to put yourself vulnerability, your vulnerability on social media to video yourself. I, I have a different way to talk about my suicide. I use the power of words. I use the power of imagination because I feel like myself is always living in the reality, whatever reality means, mm. and the in-between words, or the word that Gloria Anzadua, a Chikara feminist um, theorist who wrote called Nepandla, right? So I always live in the space, you know, the space where I go back and forth 
to see who I am and the struggles. And the paper is kind of like a showcase. And usually, you know, in academia, people always like, hey, you have to write uh, without having your emotion and feeling mm-hmm. right on the paper. But I call it bullshit. You know, you have to really understand the meaning, the message of a paper is trying to do, right? And then if you call yourself a critical scholar, if you want to bring critical love to your space, you have to be courageous to show your vulnerability, to be able to allow people to come to see you, to see who you are, right? And then when they see who you are, they would be able to sit with you, to feel with you, to teach with you, to talk with you, to hug you after they leave the space. Mm -hmm. That paper is that. Um, That paper talks a lot about myself. I think like putting myself into three dimensions. Uh, (laughs) You know, when I was walking on the streets, when I was in the space where, you know, I was trying to commit suicide, but also... I split myself to see myself struggling alone. And if you ever read that paper, you will see that I I wrote that I chalk off. I use masturbation in order to help me to go through the process because I was trying to reach out to people, but I didn't get any response. What should I do, right? so I think when we think about masturbation, we think about sex, it, is, it should go beyond the sexual activity, but it thinks you should think about that kind of the way to bridge your soul. And then when I was, you know, walking on the street, when I was, you know, splitting myself as a spirit, and then I come back, you know, to a reality as a researcher to, you know, to research myself. And then I see those three dimensions coming in and out. And I won't be able to accept those kind of dimensions. It really, again, I, this is why I said it's not a paper that I can describe in the the limited time. I I mean, it's even hearing you reflect on it, I I have to go back to it again. It it is an experience reading it, but um, that, uh, you know, again, I, I just think for how long we really have had this absent or had this sort of void of emotional authenticity um, in the academic world. Um, You know, it's interesting how to some extent your vulnerability and your authenticity, it's almost shocking. And I know that it's shocking because a lot of the research that I come across is um, you know, if you told me this was, you know, written by AI, I, oh, okay, that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I sort of wonder, as a writer, mm. did you always have that sense of being able to enter into that space of putting yourself out there in that way? Um, because I, you know, again, I, I just sort of wonder, there are not mm. a lot of necessarily models that do the work in the way that you're doing it, um, was that sort of always a part of your intellectual practice? 
um, I would say intellectual, but also spiritual practices mm. um, and meditative practices as well. Um, you know, when I do my work, I have to give um, an appreciation to the ancestor who worked the work before me, right? So I always share with people that I owe the thinking and the courageousness of Gloria Enzadua. And, you know, every single time that I got stuck in my writing, in my thinking, I came back and then talked to her, mm. you know, talk with her. And she sitting there next to me, um, she basically passed away. Um, but spiritually, she's still here with me and then talking with me and sharing with me. Uh, but also, I owe the thinking and the meditation way of doing um, because of Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, so Thich Nhat Hanh is also a Vietnamese Zen master who also passed away. Um, every single time that, you know, I wanna start writing or thinking, you know, I situate myself, you know, into the space, mm -hmm. you know, whatever space that I'm in, I have to make sure that I calm myself down. I have to make sure that I take a deep breath I have to make sure that, you know, the first word in my paper is should be me, but not anyone else. Ethan, no. I'm, I'm wondering actually if you would, because literally the space that you're in right now, it, it, I can, you know, again, even though we're listeners, we're on Zoom, um, that is transferring over to me. And I'm wondering if you would just do our listeners a favor and sort of describe Sure. The physical space that you're in, because it really does echo um, what you're describing that you, you try to do in your practice. Sure. So, um, okay, everyone. Um, so I'm going to take you to my space. So, um, you know, when you enter the space on the right hand side, you will see multiple posters. And in those posters, you will see like so many circles, so many crossing, so many posted, so many words that I even don't know what it means. <laughs> um, I have a lot of no's telling me that we, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, I have the words called space. I have a word called material discursive. I have a word called boundary making concept. I have the word called thinking process. Be impeccable with your words. Mm. And then when you move around, you will see, you know, um, you see the light, but you also see um, our family photo on the wall. And then there's like a rainbow flag saying, we belong here. Mm. Um, they're also like, um, you know, um, um, a Buddha statue next to me. So telling me that I should be calm, you know, when I enter the space. And then, you know, when you walk around, you will see there is a poster uh, drawing Gloria and Zidua. Um, and then there is like a, a saint, uh, a scented um, candle that is lighting up and then warming me up to making sure that my body is warm, my body is safe, 
in this space. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that because it's um it's it's just again, it really it's coming through what you're sharing. It, it connects so much with um, again, your work, which I'd like to come back to because you've recently published a chapter titled Supporting Queer. Uh, is it is the acronym SLIFE or S-L-I-F-E, Students with Limited or Interrupted Formal Education? Do you? Do you that is correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, initial queer considerations in a text called English and Students with Limited or Interrupted Formal Education, Global Perspectives in Teacher Preparation and Classroom Practices. And I'm going to do that thing, please forgive me, Ethan, of quoting you back to yourself. In this chapter, you write, quote, queerness is always on the move, in the making, in partiality, in contestation, end mm. quote. What do you think that understanding offers educators right now? Um, or uh, again, even if you want to contextualize it with the, the students that you've worked with. Mm. Um, I would love to share. And, and Trisha, let me tell you that is the quote that you just said that is one of my favorite mm. sentences of the whole chapter mine too <laughs> <laughs> i love i love that quote so much i think like the reason why i can write that quote or that statement because i'm thinking about the running you know like the physical running of mm. the student especially the life student you know, they are refugee, you know, fleeing from the country to the countries because of the death threats. But, you know, like thinking about like, they bear, you know, they have the queerness with them. They bring the queerness with them. That means, you know, they also have to hide their identities, right? And then continue to do some sort of like, I don't know, straight acting in order to survive, right? Um, so queerness is always in the making in the running, because I'm thinking about the image when they run, when they escape from the family torture, they escape from societal discrimination, they escape from all of the work, all of the discrimination of the world against them. Um, so queerness for me um, is, is, you know, it's kind of a, a, a manifestation of confronting heteronormativity, but also confronting the binary ways of doing and thinking. Mm -hmm. By saying that, I mean, you know, I talk a lot about queerness, right? So we should, queerness also not only embrace those people with, you know, the coded term LGBTQ, but also think about how we can do and think differently? How can we do and think to disrupt the binary ways of doing that we are doing in our own space and time, right? So it is not only like critiquing, right, but also bringing all of the identity together to think with one another. So that's why it's always in the making, because there's no, no, no end, right? There's no closing because it's always open the possibility of different ways of thinking and doing and feeling and seeing. And when you come to a space and you feel like the possibility is welcome, the abnormalcy is welcome, right? And every single thing that you make, you're making sure that the differences is not um, is not a burden 
right? But the difference is the way to connect other differences together. I love that. And I hope this isn't an oversimplification, but you know, we so often delight in being surprised and you make me think, what more we can we do to make room for surprise and for that joy and that delight? I, I feel like in a way that's sort of what you're talking about and you're writing, Ethan, also, it is surprising in that way. Um, there's an article that you co-authored that's called Writing as an Act of Rebellion, Scholars mm -hmm. of Color Using Literacy to Find Space of Identity and Belonging in Academia. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, listeners, the, the link is in the show notes. Um, be sure to find this because the surprise is that it's this really delightful dialogue. Um, and you're talking about writing identities, not just how it is that we can find yeah. them, but also how we can lose them. And of course, ah. um, the listeners of this show are educators who work with learners of all different ages. I'm wondering, Ethan, what advice you might be able to offer for those of us who we want to help our learners find and value and love their writing identity and maybe even find ways to be surprised about their writing identity. Um, I would say critical storytelling, you know, bringing critical storytelling, create a space uh, for storytelling to be told, to be spoken bravely, courageously critically with love and you have to create a space of trust of love of welcoming of accepting to all of the identities to the space right and i think the question is just so provoking in terms of like identity does not lose right but it's not given as well Right. So you you and the identity is the way that is always in the meaning making process, because right now in this space, we are talking, you and I are co-constructing our identities. Right. And I reiteratively reconstruct my identity as well, because I won't be the same Ethan in moments ago, right, in seconds ago, because identity is being constructed, reconstructed, and deconstructed, right? So for the teachers out there, in order to think about, and I'm going to connect with, you know, the chapter that I, um, you share with, with, uh, with me about initial queer consideration. So in initial, in that chapter, I suggest three ways. Number one, acknowledging student identities. Number two, adding the discourse of difference. Number three, dropping the knowledge, which means you have to reposition yourself, right? You have to really reposition yourself. You have to really try to stay away from the hierarchy, from the power that you're holding and in thinking with the students, right? So coming, coming back to like the dialogue thing, coming back to like the way that you know you have to ask yourself how knowledge is constructed and reconstructed by who mm -hmm. and how right so i'm thinking about those kind of questions and then sometimes we feel like you know we have to teach this the student to know this to know that right but if we pause a little bit and then we ask what can student teach us 
right? And how can we co-construct knowledge together, right? And in order to welcome differences, we have to add the discourse of difference. And the discourse of difference was taken and initiated by the ideas of paying close attention to the materials around us, to the space, to the time around us, um, especially with the body, uh, queer body, non-queer body, with the emotion, with the feeling, with every single thing that you can see, you can do, you can feel, you can embrace it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't have the words to describe right now, but hopefully I respond something to your question. Uh, well, you have me wondering too, how that experience that you're describing in that dynamic, perhaps with educator and learners, I'm wondering how that also maybe runs parallel, or I could completely be wrong here, when you're Mm. working with a um, co-author, what does that mean for you to be cultivating, being intentional about the space um, that that it is that you're, again, trying to co-construct with a a co-author? The first thing, you know, thinking about dropping the knowledge, right, or you come to the space and then you will never, you would not emphasize the, the notion of like, who is going to be like the first author, right? Because in academe, you always have focus on the authorship. You've always focused on the order of authorship, but you forgot, you forgot the meaning, the reason why you come together to think together, to do the collaboration together, right? So I am very lucky that I have um, a dear friend of mine, um, Luis Travier Benton Herrera, and he he's a wonderful scholar, um, and he he's willing to support me, right, um, and listen to me, and I I'm willing to support him and listen to him, and we come to the space, we try to step away from all of the labels. Who's going to be the first author, right? But think together, how can we build a dialogue to disrupt the academe, but also bringing the humanity into the conversation? So in the conversation, you will see that we are working together uh, virtually. We are eating together virtually. We, I don't know, we are talking and writing together virtually. So the friendship, and the authorship go beyond the space and time. Again, my work is all about like the space and time and the emotion and feeling and identity and collaboration. And I think like we have to really step away from the notion of capitalist academe. We have to step away from that capitalist um, academe in order to like gain the label. Who's gonna be the first, who's gonna be second. But we have to think about what is the message that we are trying to do and how can we become differently after we finish the project together? Mm, it's it's such a powerful message that, that really resonates with me. And, you know, I, I think that sense of competition or mm. winning, um, mm. you know, that's something that I've seen present itself or that's something that I've seen, you know, try to just wiggle its way into education mm-hmm. at, at all at all levels. Um, 
And again, I think that's why I appreciate so deeply how you bring us back to our humanity and how you so powerfully really model the importance of collaboration and community. Um, Ethan, you you so warmly welcomed us into the space of this conversation. Yeah, so I, I I would love to I would love to just sort of give you um, <laughs> a moment to also invite our listeners to make their way out of this space of our conversation in whatever way makes sense to to close the conversation or to be comfortable without closure whatever makes sense to you that would be a beautifully surprising <laughs> thanks um okay so when i you know at the beginning i invited everyone to come to the space right you close your eyes you settle yourself down you make yourself feel comfortable and probably at the beginning, you close your eyes, but you just sit with me in this circle. Now I want you to take a deep breath, breath in, you know you're breathing in, breathe out, you know you're breathing out. Breathe in, you know you're breathing in. Breathe out, you know, you're breathing out. And then you slowly, gradually open your eyes. And then you pay attention to everyone around you, to things around you, to make sure that you see yourself sitting in this circle you make sure that you feel good, you feel safe, you feel welcomed, you feel heard. And, you know, there is not a space that we come together once, but we will continue returning to that space. We will continue talking to each other, or perhaps in a different space and time, you are talking to yourself so that you make sure that you see the growth and the love in you. Ethan, thank you. Of course.